continue on that this week, the courage over fear, I'm going to be speaking out of Joshua chapter 1, verses 7 through 9. Before I do, though, I was thinking this week about the fact that we all have a wheelhouse. Okay, if you don't know what a wheelhouse is, I can give you some definitions. A wheelhouse would be the place on a boat or a ship that a captain can be sheltered where he can steer the ship. It can be known as a place or situation in which you are advantageously at ease. Or, in sports terms, it can be the part of your strike zone where you can generate the most power. Okay, so however you relate to this, we all have a wheelhouse. And see, there's things that we become good at. We almost get a default setting sometimes. If you are in church, you can get your default setting. And that can start to become a not-so-good thing when God wants to stretch you. See, it can be beautiful when you enter a situation like we know there are certain people who, I refer to this a lot, you know, like Dina Cockrell, she operates in this prophetic gift. And there are times when I, who have been around church my whole life, I mean, I'm a pastor too, right? So I have these things, but she will operate in a prophetic and I'll just, and I know my mouth is open because I'm like, God, this, this is amazing. It blows me away. There are good defaults and there could be bad ones. Have you ever found yourself becoming fearful about what lies ahead? I do it. Have you ever found yourself in a position where you, let me do the air quotes, defer in a situation to other people because you want to get out of the way so they can shine, but really you're just scared? I've done that. In terms of baseball, you think about the fact that within a person's strike zone and where the sweet spot is, where their wheelhouse is, think about the size of, and I'm going to call it Jacob's Field because that's what it was christened in 94 and it's always going to be the Jake. Think about the size of that complex and think about how big a wheelhouse is. And so this morning, what I'd like to do is I'd like to challenge you to lock into the things that God has and to stop locking down when change comes. See, most of us have been in situations when change comes and it feels like it's coming quickly. The older I get, the more scary and intimidating the word quickly seems for me, especially when it comes to change. But all of us in this room are being called, like Joshua, to go higher. God is speaking to the Joshua inside of each one of us. Today, I wanted to speak about three verses. Chapter 1, verses 7 through 9, I'm going to read it. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do all the law, which my servant Moses commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written. For then you will make your way prosperous, and you will have good success. And this is an often quoted verse. Jess, you want to know one of my favorites? Here it is, Joshua 1.9. Have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. If you wait until you're ready to do the things that God's calling you to do, you'll be waiting the rest of your life. In a spiritual sense, there is a time to wait on the Lord, and there is a time of action. 
the times that we find ourselves in, we can become fearful. I'm sure Joshua was feeling fearful in that moment. See, Moses had led the people out of Egypt. He had led them according to the places that were set for him to go. And at that point, Joshua was to lead them into this promised land. And the thing is, when it comes to the places that God is leading us, there are not neon signs flashing saying neon sign of new land this way. When you're in a place and you're looking around, you're like, God, send a sign. I think really we'd like to see neon signs, but it doesn't happen that way. But stop and consider this. The God that created this universe, that knows every fear and doubt, takes those things into consideration, yet he leans down and whispers courage to your heart. That blows me away. See, God tells Joshua this, only be strong and of good courage. Only. And I love that. We spoke about last Sunday that when he says be strong, it's meaning growing in that moment, growing in strength regardless of what's going on. When it was courageous, it was talking about being stout. I referred to Mike Tyson. Well, let me go back into Mike Tyson. Mike Tyson was known as one of the greatest counterpunchers in boxing. And here's the truth. You don't get to be a good counterpuncher until the enemy throws first. And when you think about the courageous part, him getting stout, when Tyson, when they'd come for him, and he would just turn into almost like, I don't even know. I mean, it was just this, this form you couldn't hit. When he came up, there was power in it. When you come up, you're not coming up alone. When you come up and you're swinging, you're not coming up alone. Your God is with you. See, it says in Ecclesiastes, there's nothing new under the sun. The devil doesn't have a new book of tricks. We know how he operates. We know how he lies. We know that he preys on insecurity. But see, knowing this, God doesn't chastise Joshua. What he does is he encourages him in that moment. He looks to see the fear on his face, and he encourages him. We always talk about wanting to be more like God. Do you want to be more godly? Then do things like God does them. Meaning this, when people are down, encourage them. You know, it seems like sometimes you get in church and you have people who have to make someone's bad day a teachable moment. Sometimes we just need to be. Because, see, life's going to teach us lessons that we don't need someone standing in front of us being like Job's friends, letting us know how we could have avoided this. The Bible says, let your speech be always with grace. Insecurities, we all have them. The weird thing is, they travel with us. God is calling you to something different. And as you go up, as he promotes you, it's going to feel weird. Here's an example. So we have this scissor lift because that projector was showing a light like, I don't know, in whatever technical terms saying fix me now or I'm not going to work next week. And so I had to get on the scissor lift and go up there. I mean, that's not that high, right? So I'm up there. And I feel this. I'm like, And so I'm thinking, this is how it ends. That's what I'm thinking. 
My mind's playing tricks on me. What happened was, see this black bar? It's attached with cables. When I went to use the screwdriver to open that up, it started swinging just enough. And see, it, it said something to me in that moment. It said, get off the lift. But secondly, it said, write this down. Because in a spiritual sense, that's how it works. Like, you aren't going anywhere, but your mind's playing tricks on you. See, when the Bible talks about the heart being deceitful above all things, my left atrium is not out to get me. It's my mind. It's my feelings that are looking to get me. And here's the thing when you get in those situations. Do you need a visual? Give me the visual. Know who's standing behind you. That's not the one I need. I need the one with the lions. I need the one with the lions. Go to that. That would be an even better one. Oh, look on the bottom. Oh, no. It'll show up. Well, wait. No. You know what it was? It's a picture you put up. It's a picture you put up on Audrey's page. So let me give you the visual. Michelle puts this picture up, and it was a lion cub standing. And behind the lion cub was the adult lion. And all you saw was the outline of this lion and the little lion standing there. And I can just imagine when the enemies are coming up to it and the little lion thinking, like, why are they running away from me? And here's this huge lion. And if you've ever seen how muscular they are, it's amazing. You need to know who stands behind you. And so the next time someone says, let me show you a visual, maybe they need to be able to back it up with words. How would that be for preaching? When it comes to things that we need to show the world, sometimes it's not going to work out. Work it out. So when Joshua has these questions, not only is he the recipient of encouragement, but he passes it along. The things that God is putting into our lives were never meant for us to hoard. When it comes to encouragement, I think about this. A new thing right now at concerts, when you go to them, a beach ball will just show up. And everybody hits the beach ball. Like, nobody gets the beach ball and just holds on to it. And for that brief moment when you hit it, you're like, I hit the beach ball. And then someone else hits the beach ball. That is how encouragement should work amongst God's people. It really should. We should all just be like, man, wasn't that great that time I hit the beach ball? Yes, it was. <laughs> so what Joshua does, he gets encouragement, and he begins to encourage the leaders from the things that he's heard. But he still has questions. He puts aside the questions when God begins to encourage him. And I've asked this before from this very spot, but when did we become so scared to ask God the hard questions? You talk about your walk feeling hollow. Get real with God. You talk about walking around with these questions. Well, ask the one who can answer them. Walk in a way that we know that the God we serve is able. See, oftentimes I can become the problem because I'm so anxiety-centric. I'm so problem-centric that I will begin to make these statements that I emotionally can't right now. And in those moments, God's saying, who are you allowing to define you? I define you. 
And you have the capacity to do this because that's why I put you in this place. See, Joshua probably remembered the times when Moses was facing things that could scare Moses. And he remembered the times that Moses would do the very thing that he was being called to do. And that was take this encouragement and pass it on. There is nothing that speaks God's peace like letting other people watch as God carries you. As I was at the hospital the other day at Rainbow, I look up, and there's this little girl, tiny, three maybe. She's got on that little hospital gown. She's got on her bracelet. And her dad's walking the hall holding her. And that kind of hold where he's got one arm here and one arm around her head. And she's looking back at me. And in that moment when I lock eyes with her, I think, you know, she's in this place, and she's probably scared. But she's okay because her dad has her right now. And there's times that you need to allow God carrying you to speak the words that you can't speak. You need to understand that peace, sometimes people have to see it in action in order to understand it. See, when Moses passed that encouragement along, Joshua began to understand this. There is a you factor when it comes to these verses. If you look at it closely, you or your is used 13 times in those three verses. God's being very specific in the way that he's challenging. The key words that he uses, one is meditate. to put your mind on his words. See, when the Bible's open in front of you, you can read God's word. When you're away from those words, you need to meditate on those things that you know. You need to meditate on his nature. You need to meditate on the things, the testimonies that you know to be true. Every time that it would end at Lee, that chapel would end, they would say, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Meditation goes beyond just thinking. Because, see, we live in a world where, yeah, go do Reiki and some yoga and meditate. No. I place my mind on the living God, and in this moment, despite the setting, I'm going to focus on him. I think about, because, of course, everything has a movie visual with me. In Star Wars, in The Force Awakens, there's this man, and he is blind in this, and he all of a sudden would just get up and just start like, I'm one with the Force, and the Force is with me. And he'd take that stick, and he wore out about 20 of these guys with the stick. There are spiritual times when you need to understand, I'm with God. And I'm going to walk in here with this broom handle or whatever I have, devil, and I'm going to clean house. That's what I'm going to do understanding that it might not make sense to the people around you. What are you doing? What are you doing? I'm not answering to you. I'm answering to God. When Joshua meditates on God's word, he gets a point of focus. Now, I've never been a gymnast, but I understand that besides the rigorous physical training, that they pick a point of focus. When they pick that point of focus, that's all that matters in that moment. Spiritually, I challenge you to pick your point of focus when it comes to God. 
Don't consider the problems that are around you. Don't focus on the doubts. Don't focus on the what-ifs. Don't focus even on your own ability because, see, Joshua had been trained in these military tactics. But God was reminding him it's not going to be by your might. It's not going to be by your mind. It's not going to be by your materials. But it's going to be by my spirit. He says these things to you. It echoes again in the New Testament, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit. It echoes right now where you are in the things that you're facing, not by might, not by power. Don't look at the degree that's hanging on your wall because the battle was never about your education. Don't look at all the things where you failed before because it was never about that. It's about the power of God. See, he was about to do a work. He was about to do something in that nation. But he needed Joshua to buy in. Because there are people that are looking to you and they're saying, is this God that they talk about merely talk or have they bought in? When the word's in front of me, I read. When the word's not in front of me, I meditate. I tell you this story. There was a pastor. Pastor went to China. Pastor went to China to this Bible conference, and here's the way the Bible conference worked. There were 22 people who ran home churches, underground churches. They rode 13 hours in a train to come to a hotel. 700 square feet was where they were going to hold this conference because it had to be done in secret. Before they held the conference, this pastor, who was an American, he asked the people in attendance, he said, if we're caught, what will happen to me? And they said, you will be deported within the next day. We will go to prison for at least three years. When he goes to begin his lesson, he goes to pass out Bibles. 22 people in the room. He has 15 Bibles. He hands one to a lady. She hands it to the person beside him. They begin by reading a book out of the Bible. As they're reading, he's watching the lady who handed her Bible off, and she's quoting it word for word. And later he went to her, and he said, I couldn't help but notice you'd recited that entire chapter. She's like, I've recited the whole book. And he said, how'd you do that? And she said, well, when you're in prison, you have a lot of time. And so come to find out, she had learned her Bible knowledge from the things that had been passed along within the prison. And later on, before this meeting adjourned, they asked, could you pray for us to be more like you? He looked at the lady and he said, I will not do that. He said, you rode a train 13 hours to get here in my country. If it snows more than six inches, or people have to, I added that, have to drive more than an hour, it can deter us. You sat in a room for three days on a hard wooden floor. In my country, if it's not padded pews and air conditioning, people won't come back. In my country, we have an average of two Bibles per family, and we don't read those. Yet you memorize God's word from pieces of paper. I'm not going to pray that you become like us. I'm going to pray that we become like you. 
They went on to say the only leadership training that we get, or we give, in fact, is we teach people how to witness to their executioner on the way to their execution. That's real. And so I say the things that we focus on that can be so small to get us off track, I don't say that to shame us. I say that because there are people who would literally stare down death in order to do things that we can take for granted. There are people, when you talk about encouragement, that if it wasn't for the encouragement of God, they would have none at all. When it comes to the things that God is standing there, choose him, always place his word between you and the enemy, and keep growing strong during this. Keep your fighting posture during this. Do all of his word. Quit looking at the easy parts. Quit tossing things out because of some twisted theology. Do the hard parts. Don't fall into default mode. Observe and do according to the law. When it talks about being prosperous, do you know what it means? It means to break out. It's not some preacher on TV telling you, if you send me $20, then you're going to have financial blessing. No. What he's saying is you will prosper and have a state of mind where whatever season you're in, being content, whatever season you're in, you know you've got more to give. That is what he's talking about. It says don't be afraid. And when you look at the wording of don't be afraid, it means to cause to tremble. The inference there is to tremble in the company of those who are powerful. But there's a word. The word's this. It's L. So as I'm looking at this, this word L jumps out at me. Who am I talking about? Let me introduce you. It's talking about Elohim. The first name that God was called by in Genesis. It describes one who's sovereign in power. Oh, it's talking about Yahweh, Lord and Master, a name that was so revered that many of the Jewish people would not even say the name because they feared breaking the commandment. It's El Elyon, the Most High God. See, when I begin to think that when I look up, God, where are you? Where are you? See, he's there. It's Adonai, which means Lord or Master. It's El Shaddai which means the Lord God Almighty. So when I'm feeling weak, it's talking about someone who can give that power that I need in that moment. El Olam, it means everlasting, the everlasting God. Where I am so finite, he was here before I was here. He was before everything. He's going to be here when I'm gone. He's here in this moment. Jehovah Jireh, my provider where you don't know where the next thing's coming from, my God provides. Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals you. The God who heals Audrey Nip. The God who heals Keith. The God who heals in this moment. That's who that is. Jehovah Nisi, it means flag. The Lord is my banner. Jehovah, and I'll probably slaughter this, Makadishkem. It means holy, and here's what I love about that. When accusation is thrown at you, that's not who I am anymore. That's not who I am anymore. 
See, I serve a God who sanctifies. I serve a God who's my peace, Jehovah Shalom, this Prince of Peace I talk about. Jehovah Sabbath, Lord of hosts. Jehovah Ra, the Lord is my shepherd. When I don't know to rest at night because I feel so anxiety-ridden, I know the shepherd is sleeping at the gate right there. I know he's with me. Jehovah Sidkenu, it means righteousness. Again, the Lord is my righteousness. I don't have to stand and give you this whole list of things that I've done in Jesus. I can say he is my righteousness. I strive to walk after him. Oh, I fall on my face, but he is my God. And the last one, Jehovah Shammah, God is there. There. There is not here. I love that. As I walk forward, there is not here either. As you go forward in the things that God has for you to do, he's there already. He's there already. Oh, the lion picture, it was going to show up at the end, and it was going to be a great visual point. But you know what? I don't need it. See, he's there, but he's here. And when the enemy's staring me down, licking his chops, it's like, I got this one. I can just imagine him peeking out from the side and me being like, not today. We're going to pray. I challenge you this in this week. Take this walk where God is asking you to take it. Choose the assignment and do all of it. Do not be scared. Whatever you're looking at, whatever you're facing, he's got this. We're going to pray. They're going to worship it out. And here's what we're going to do. While they're playing, if there's anyone here and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, I want to pray with you. There is no greater privilege than to be able to offer that. So let's pray, and then we'll worship together and worship it out.